The Pats and Chet Show. The Pats and Chet Show. Hello, Chet. Hey, Pat, how are you? Doing very well today. How are you up in Rhode Island? Very good, sir. Living the dream, living the dream. Excellent. Well, we've talked about this topic a couple times in passing, at least on our other podcast, but it's a big part of the conversation that we're having with our listeners, and that's namely lobbyists and lobbying in D.C., and it takes place on all the state levels as well. Uh, You've done a lot of uh, great research and put together some good talking points and educational data for our listeners, as always, so we, on behalf of the listeners, appreciate all the work you've put in. Why don't you get Get started and give us an overview of what is happening with lobbyists. So just to give everybody an orientation of it, it falls into some gray areas as well as to what's really going on, you know. But um, And that's without being, um, you know, conspiracy theory oriented, although that may apply for this. But in any event, it's divided as the Democrats and Republicans and we as, as a population are, um, it seems that our members of Congress on both sides seem to pretty well agree that lobbyists are here to stay and that uh, and that they like it and that it's all getting bigger and bigger and, and more and more influence is being exerted in that direction or from that direction. But, you know, be, before we get into the numbers of it, Pat, to get an idea of, of, of what kind of scope, I just want to answer the question uh, of what do lobbyists do. And the bottom line is that they influence regulations, rules, purchasing decisions, and, and the like. Uh, from the use of pesticides in national parks, fentanyl distribution, missile systems, keeping soda legal in school systems at the state level, pretty much everywhere and everything you'll find a lobby organization that, that represents re- represents that. So um, they're not all, all bad and, and not all good. To the good, many of them provide expertise that can't normally be found in the government. And to the bad, they, they can make or break a politician's financial war chest. Also, to the not-so-good is how our laws handle them, uh, them being lobbyists, uh, according to many. There's a lot of friction on how our laws handle lobbyists right now, so a lot of infighting on that. Scope-wise, let's shoot some numbers at you. Ready? I am ready. About 12,000 registered lobbyists representing about 3,200 companies influencing the government. ROI, that's return on investment. ROI for lobby organizations average about $760 for every $1 spent. So that's big money. Big tech pushed out some of the top lobbying spenders down a few notches, such as ExxonMobil, which was about $8.6 million spent between 2018 and 2020. And whereas Facebook came up, uh, jumped that number of uh, eight and a half or so million to $19 million. So Facebook's a big, big player over those last couple of years insofar as lobbying goes in Washington. On taxpayer-funded uh, bailouts, the airline lobby, they spent about $29 million on lobbying, and they received $32 billion with a B in relief aid. Agriculture at large spent $38 million and received 32, also $32 billion in relief aid. That's a lot to do with COVID, but, you know, point being is that these lobbies groups for the airlines and for agriculture, I'm not picking on those two industries because there's others, but they got an awful lot of money in order to uh, stay in business through the help of their lobbyists. So, all right, let's go through those a little more 
sure. slowly or a little more detail. Every dollar a lobbyist uh, group spends, on an average, they get about 760 times that back in influence. Correct. And when, so when you use the example of Facebook over a two-year period, spent about $19 million, based on the average, that would have gained them about $14 billion with a B of influence. Right. Um, so it's pretty easy to figure out why lobbyist groups exist, right? I mean, if I can spend a dollar to get a 760-time return on that dollar, you know, that's that's the best investment in America right now. Yeah, that would be the – I mean, can, can I get a, can I get that kind of return on my retirement fund? Because yeah, no, yeah, then, I can, then I can actually retire. Now you're in the right place for that. Pat. You know this this podcast is going to get you there. Let's <laughs> hope. Um, no, but no, you know, and again, I know you weren't picking on agriculture or Exxon or anybody because, as you said in the opening, I mean, this is every single industry. And I, you know, it's funny. I was when we talked about doing this podcast, I know some people that. Um, have been lobbyists and worked for, you know, lobbying organizations. I also know people that have hired lobbyists. Uh, and I'll give you a, a quick example. You know, you're a manufacturer and there's certain regulations coming down that are going to make you change the way you do things and make you spend more money as a manufacturer to get the same results, therefore cut into your profits. So you can go to, for example, the National Association of Manufacturers is a group that I'm familiar with and, you know, say to them, hey, there's this set of bills that are coming through. We're obviously, you know, looking to block them. We don't think they're good. We don't think they're healthy for business. And we as a company or a trade organization, right, you manufacture widgets, chances are there's a National Widget Association of Manufacturers, so you kind of all get together. And you write a check to the National Association of Manufacturers or some other pro-manufacturing, you know, lobbying organization. And then they go spend that money greasing the wheels in D.C. to get the results that you're looking for. Right. Uh, just, wanted, just wanted to make sure I, I understood the whole process. Yeah. You know, you got it down. I mean, it is a uh, – if, if you don't do it, your competitors are. You know, it's become that kind of a thing. You know? Well, that, that's, that's what I mean, right? If you're – I mean, you know, you're mom and pop donut shop. Yeah, you're probably not going to be able to influence the donut lobby in Washington, but – Short of that, if you're any kind of major player or major industry, you've got to be spending money with lobbyists because you're going to get run over by other industries or other, you know, chains of thought or opposition. Or I mean, you've got to be in this game if right. you want to do business in America right now. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, speaking of money, now a lot of a lot of these dollar figures, Pat. Okay. They're, you know, it's hard to get very exact information on, on lobbyists, although there's a lot of information available. But, you know, if you look at – if you go online and look at some of the government sources and you look at uh, CNBC Business, Yahoo Finance, Business Insider, you know, they're going to give folks some good, good ideas as to what's going on with lobbyists. And we'll mention some other sources later. Uh, but also don't forget now that if a lobbyist takes a Congress – elected congressman out to lunch, that's going to be against the law and pays for it. That's against the law. But if the same lobbyist says, let's go ahead and do a fundraiser, that's for their campaign, then that's okay. That's within the law. So that's another area where you start to see some influence uh, coming in. So if you're running, if you're running for office 
and I'm yep. a lobbyist, would you rather have me buy you lunch or would you rather have me throw a big fundraiser and raise a couple million dollars for your campaign? Fundraiser. Yeah. Well, I'm clearly. But it's good, to, good to know that if I buy you a ham sandwich outside the Capitol that, you know, we're going, we're both going to prison. But if I raise a couple million dollars at a, you know, $10,000 plate dinner and pump it into your campaign, that, that's right. That's, that's, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly if I, I, I stand corrected on everything I said. Clearly our politicians have it all figured out and the system's absolutely fine. I, there's, just, there's, there's nothing wrong going on up there at all. Right. Not at all. No, I'm not offended. Um, the, uh, it's all about influence and money. And, and, you know, this, this concern that we have, uh, is, is really founded on this revolving, what's called the revolving door. And that's where we see an increasing amount of politicians that are selling their influence to lobbying groups to then influence policy procedures and purchases. So it's not all about products. I mean, it, it, you know, that's one thing, but it's also about the policies and procedures that go with decision-making and, and opportunities, land management. I mean, we can go through countless examples. We'll hit a couple. But um, And it's quite attractive because the average bump in salary for a senior staffer uh, or elected official is, is quite substantial, uh, often three to five times their regular pay plus perks. So you can imagine that's quite a quite a bit of money. I mean, there's most congressmen are around 150, 160 thousand a year, something like that, and uh, staffers make pretty good money as well. And to get three to five times as much plus perks can can be quite worthwhile. I wanted to point out and remind people, lobbyists are they're everywhere, but they are, in most cases, you can find them on both sides of of both of any issue, and there's also some that are doing really, you know. Admirable work. Um, I've mentioned to you, I do some work with Catholic charities with different, you know, nonprofit efforts they're doing with the homeless or, or right. different things. So, you know, there are lobbyists in D.C. that are going to see congressmen saying, hey, we have a homeless problem in this country and we want you to help pass some legislation to get us some more money so we can feed the hungry and get people clothes and, you know, all these other things. So, uh, you know, lobbyists, obviously, most people immediately have kind of a dark opinion of them. Um, but as you said, it's not just like small little evil group floating around the shadows of Washington. They are everywhere, and they're in broad daylight all day long working hard. And, again, some of them maybe are pushing things that you and I or our listeners might not support. But some of them are pushing some things that I think our listeners would be like, wow, that's great to hear that there's somebody in D.C. that's fighting the good fight, you know, say for veterans issues or, or you know, something that people, you know, care about and want to see happen. Right. No, I don't disagree at all, and and it's uh, but but the scary parts this this what they call the revolving door, okay? Like lobbyists in general, uh, speaking of generals and lobbyists, where did lobbyists get their name from? I'm hanging out in the lobby talking to politicians. Ulysses S. Grant, president. Somebody, oh, right. Someone's that's right. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Someone's here to see you. Tell them to wait in the lobby. I'll see him later. That Ulysses S. Grant. Yes, that's right. That's a, that's a fact. So, uh, going back on some more numbers, not money anymore, but participation in this revolving door concern. In the 1970s, about 5% of retiring legislators went to work as lobbyists. Now, about half, that would be 50%, of retiring senators and a third of retiring House members 
go on to become lobbyists. That's a big number. It's a big change. This is growing influence, like out of control, it seems. I, I, I would agree. I, as our listeners know, I am rarely speechless. But, I mean, that is just a lot to soak in that 40, 50 years ago, you had one in 20 retiring legislature become a lobbyist. And now you've got, you know, a half of the senators and a third of the of the House members. So, right. uh, and, you know, but it begs the question, why are they so, you know, attractive to the lobbyist groups? But I think the answer is, you know, pretty obvious, right? I mean, you just retired as a senator and you go to, we'll say the NRA, just to pick one. And, hey, fellas, I think I might know a little bit about how to get this done and where the softer money is that we can get after and, right. you know, who that – those kind of closet swing boat guys that nobody's really sure which way they go. You know, I've been working with that guy for 10 years. I know exactly what he's thinking, what he will support, what he won't. I mean, right. and, you know, talk about putting the fox in charge of the hen house. But if you come out of retirement as a legislature, when you're looking for job description, how about we pay you to influence legislatures? You're probably pretty qualified. Right. It's, just, it's you know, it, it's it's two-way influence. That's the big concern is that it's like this influence, you know, it's it's a revolving door of two-way influence. So, you know, the the idea that someone, under, you know, leaves the Senate and understands how the Senate works when it comes to just, say, tobacco products or something like that, okay, so they're going to come in and help a senator understand all about vaping, you know, or any kind of concern, you know, new concerns that we have. Um, and what their company is doing to fight it. So don't change the laws or don't change the regulations because they think they can fix it at their company level, you know, with warnings and things of that, warning signs and things of that nature. But really, it's just, it's just too far out of control. Like, you know, 50% for goodness sake, that's a lot of, that's a lot of lawmakers with a lot of power and a lot of influence that are on the other side of the fence. And guess where we are, you and me and the, and the listening public? Voters, you're nowhere. You, you, you just you just stop counting. You know. Well, that's just it, right. We don't have a lobbyist group. I mean, it was supposed <laughs> to, our elected officials were our, our lobbyists, right? They were the ones that were supposed to go represent our interests. Right. And now they're being bought and sold every day by lobbying groups, and we, the general public, you know, we don't have an organized lobby. We don't have somebody roaming the halls of D.C. to say, "Hey, wait a second. What about the voter? What about the taxpayer?" You know, right. what about the people out there? Um, there's literally no, you know, check and balance for how the influence is being done. Right, right. And that's that's a, that's a big concern. Like I say, you know, if you, there's, there's Public Information Act. You can find out a lot about lobbies. Go to VoteSmart, uh, OpenSecrets.org, and I'll mention these guys again. They'll tell you what's existing politicians, are, what, what money they're taking from who, and to what degree, to include lobbyists, and what industries those lobbyists strongly represent, okay? It is, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of scary, but you know, you, so you say to yourself, Pat, how, how can this even be legal, right? How can this, how can this be legal? Well, it's, in looking into that, the answer is, is that under the freedom of speech, somebody leaves the Senate, they're no longer a senator, they perhaps have the influence um, and experience and contacts and things like that to some degree, as a senator would. That's what the lobby group is hoping they're getting when they get a retired uh, congressional member. But when they do retire, 
uh, and leave office, they're public. They're just they're just civilian public, and just like you and I. And so, with freedom of speech and as a requirement for our democracy, it, it calls our democracy calls for public participation. So, under that, they're permitted to go from lawmaker to law influencer without any any problems per se. Right. So. So what's good about it on the revolving door um, or lobbyists in general, I guess, is that I, I was reading about the, a quote from a, a staffer that turned lobbyist, and uh, he said, you know, we're so busy, we often need lobbyists who are often specialists in their field to describe and explain how we can meet new needs of our government, uh, end quote. And, and to me, that represents a, a new pharmaceutical that does things that nobody ever thought could be done, okay, and has to explain why and what the, you know, what the fallout is. Well, you're not going to find any senators or even staffers more than likely that are going to be able to handle that. But a chemist that's from any, any pharmaceutical company involved, he might be able to speak to that and be able to advise somebody it, who does make decisions on, on, on if it's good, if it's bad, and, and if so, why, right? I know, but I, I got to call bullshit on that one because, well, I, and I don't know who this staffer was, so I don't mean any disrespect, but we're just so busy. We don't even have time to figure out what it is we're voting on. Like, well, what is it you're so busy with? Getting reelected because that's your number one job in life. So maybe your focus should be on learning about the legislation that you're going to vote on. And I, how could a politician be an expert in every possible field? That I get. But maybe take the pharmaceutical example. Maybe you should go to the FDA and, you know, tell, find out what they're telling us or some other, you know, nonpartisan group that has data going to the pharmaceutical manufacturing company's representatives. Say, hey, can you educate me on this? Should, should we approve this? You know, like they're only going to give you the data that they want to give you and try to – that's why they're talking to you. They're trying to influence you. So even if they're a well-educated chemist and a genius in their field – they're still getting paid to try to influence that vote. So I get it, but I uh I'd have to respectfully disagree. <laughs> maybe not actually maybe not respectfully disagree, just disagree. Well, that was that was the good of, of uh for the record for the for our listeners, that's that's the best possible takeaway you can have. Now let's get into some of the others. Yeah, so on the downside, uh <laughs> um <laughs> You know, you, you, you just said about lawmakers needing to, you know, keep running for election, keep getting money, right? Get that war chest filled up. Lobbyists can entice lawmakers with big injects of money, you know, to run their campaigns. And, and we know that they can do fundraisers and all these other type of things, which they need to do. Here's, here's a number that I got, and it's the low number. It said that senators require contributions of about $6,000 per day for future campaigning. Now, that's a look-back number, you know, as to how much money was spent by this politician, how many days this politician was in office, and then trying to become, you know, get reelected. But um, but that's a lot of, you know, that's like a lot of money. The high number was $14,000 for each day that they're in office that they need to spend to get reelected. So they're, they're really needing money, you know, big tax. But and let's clarify too, like that six thousand dollars a day. That is not their budget to run their office and to fly back to their district. That's literally dollars just used for campaigning to get reelected. Right. Most most senators, I don't know about congressmen. Most senators get 
three point something million dollars a year to run their staff. It's, that's not their salary. That's not the salary of the senator. That would be what they have to hire a staff. That's, and that's staff their budget. Right, budget. You talk about, you know, senators raising money and building a war check. So they raise X number of million dollars. Say they raise $10 million for this campaign. Mm-hmm. And then let's say they spend eight. And this would be a good challenge for our listeners to, to contact some representatives. And we can do some research and share some more on this in the future. But in the old days, because I don't know, I know they've always talked about changing this legislation, and I honestly don't know if they have. But if you raise 10, spend eight, you can roll that two in your next election, right? right? Well, these guys that, you know, election after election after election. And then when they retired, well, hey, I got, you know, $20 million in this war chest. They used to be able to take it with them. Now, I know they've put some limits on that, but there's a lot of sketchy behavior that goes on. When you're looking at a retiring congressman or senator, that's something that, I, you know, if I was – that's a good time to go to Vote Smart and try to get a handle on how much cash are they walking away with when they go to become, well, half the time, a lobbyist or whatever else they choose to do. Right. It, 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 the culture is it's just it just slants the whole decision making culture of the organization of Congress, in my view. Well, in Washington D.C. was not designed to be a destination. It was supposed to be you know common people like us. You know, and I'll take a shift. I'll go up there for two years or four years and give it a crack, and then I'm going to come back and work at my bakery or whatever I used to do before I went up there. That's um, right. And obviously, you know, that's what the founding fathers had in mind. Clearly, we've missed the mark on that one. Um, this kind of all contributes to it, not only the money they're raising, the support they're getting from lobbyists, but then the money they're raising with and, and with others in the name of elections and re-elections, and then where does all that money end up at the end of the day? So there, There's organizations out there now that are fighting against the revolving door, and there's politicians that are fighting against revolving door, but it's almost like if you listen to them speak about it, not all of them, some are very impassioned, and I think they really mean it. Others are like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it probably is a problem. Oh, by the way, we've got something else to do that's more important right now, you know? So because we have so many politicians eating from both sides of the trough, all right, we as as voters need to get more in tune with who's doing what from our political profiles of candidates and, and elected representatives, what kind of money they're taking and who they're taking it from, and what you might think about that, okay, and how that affects your decision-making. So a place to do that is votesmart.org. And, uh, you know, we've had, we've had VoteSmart on before. They're, they're good. They're a 40-year-old nonpartisan organization, pretty big, and they just keep running with the facts. You can phone them if you don't want to go to the website. They'll check something out for you and spit it out and stand by it. Um, another place to go is take a look at congress.gov. And uh, you can dial in. There's a search bar. It's, it's pretty easy to use, although it's a lot of detail. Um, HR 417. That's HR 417. And that's a that's a bill that, that's being worked through now by that was put in place by a Republican uh, Bill Posey is asking for support on. And what he's advocating is that if you are retiring from Congress that and going to a lobbyist firm that you forfeit your retirement, your health care, and your savings plan that you had with the government savings plan. That's so called thrift, uh, TSP, thrift, thrift savings plan, sorry. So Bill Posey wants to see people, wants to, you know, he, he's authoring this. He's trying to push it through. 
but he's trying to get folks to to uh, go with him in Congress for the purpose of denying these revolving door candidates who are retiring uh, from getting getting their retirement, which sounds pretty pretty stiff to me, you know. But well, I mean, two things. I mean, we should follow Bill Posey's career and see if ten years from now he ends up being a lobbyist. Um, but but also too, I I think I mean I applaud what he's doing. I. I you know, anything to kind of slow the the tide. But the lobbyist groups are going to say, all right, Chet, you're a retiring, retiring senator. We want to make you an offer. Uh, I'd love to, but, you know, i got to sacrifice my benefits and my retirement fund. All right, well, we'll we'll put that in the offer letter. We'll give you benefits. And, yeah, we'll match whatever you had set aside. Yeah, you know, any other objections, Chet? Okay, great. You can start on Monday. And, you know, I mean, I, I just don't know if that's going to really, you know, take a little more money out of the lobbyists pocket to bring that senator on, I guess, but not not sure if it's going to have a huge impact. But, you know, it's a step in the right direction right. if, as a listener, you agree that lobbyists are out of control and we need to rein this in. Um, you know, if you have other opinions, you're entitled to those, and contact your elected officials and let them know what you're thinking. That's always the, the takeaway. Right. You know, and that's what I do. So I contact uh, my folks here from Rhode Island, okay, and, uh, you know, I take a look at some of these things that are key to me. And, and my family and, and, and I let them know what I think about it. And sometimes they'll get back to you. Not always, but at least you let them know where you, where, you know, what's important to you. And, and the more of us that do that, the better off we're going to be because it boils down to the same thing, Pat, which is one of the, um, pillars of, of our whole function here is that lobbyists and big money run our government for the most part. And I think that kind of sucks for our listeners. If they believe that what Bill Posey is saying is a good idea, then you can contact Bill Posey if you like, but you really need to contact your congressman from your district and say, hey, H.R. 417, I think it's a great idea and I think you should vote for it, or I don't think it's a good idea, and here's why. But if this is an issue that you think is important, which I think most of our listeners would agree, then it's to be weighing in on. So that's a great example of specific legislation that impacts a topic that a lot of people, uh, you know, have some pretty strong opinions about. If our listeners have any specific laws or things that are going through Congress as a bill or as a resolution that they want us to look up and tell them about so that they can go ahead and take action with their elected representatives, they should just send us an email and we'll do that. I mean, it's not a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah, really anything that uh, is going on in our listeners' lives that they think would be relevant for the show. We certainly love to get some ideas and, and feedback from listeners for future episodes. All right, Pat. Well, listen. Any other questions, sir? No, I think you. Uh, I think you get an A plus again for all your homework, Chet. It was really well done, very informative, and I think it's going to be a, uh, a big hit with our listeners. And and hopefully, people will uh, be called to get involved and get engaged and get educated on this and all the other topics out there. But uh, good work, my friend. All right, sir. Thank you very much, Pat. Let's get on it. All right, see you, Chad. Take care. Bye-bye. The Pats and Chuck Show.